Uh, and as you're being seated, I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. So uh, I'm going to put a principle in front of you, and that principle this morning is this. We pray when we sense that things are urgent, right? Like that, that's kind of like what is inside of us. We pray when we sense that things are urgent. So, uh, so, you know, the reality is like things are pressing in upon us. We observe our life. We observe the circumstances around us. And we get this sense that, oh, somebody really has to intervene. Something has to be done. And so when we feel that urgency inside of us, it leads us in to prayer. So, so here's the problem. The problem is that we evaluate urgency based on our personal experience. Like the thing that leads us to determine whether or not a situation is urgent really is our personal experience. Now, this is not a human reality. This is more of just like a culture that we live in right now. This is American uh, Western culture. The way that we process life, the way that we process who we are and how we fit in is we kind of have this tendency to evaluate everything through individual experience. So if my individual experience is not urgent then I will not be led into prayer. That's the reality. So I have a picture to show you. This is one of my favorite things on the whole internet right now. You have our, uh, our precious dog here drinking his cup of coffee. And as the building is burning around him, he's enjoying that cup of coffee. And he says, this is fine. This is okay. There's no problems here. Like, so, so if we evaluate urgency based on our personal experience, then what that means is that we are kind of the people who are easily satisfied with that cup of coffee. Like, oh, when I get that cup of coffee, gosh, I have everything that I need. Everything is right in the world. Everything is good. So I want you to imagine now that the cup of coffee is cracked, that it's leaking now on the table. And like, well, what's, what are you going to do? If your, cup, if your coffee cup is broken, well, you're going to get up and you're going to walk to the cabinet. You're going to get a new cup. You're going to go to the coffee pot and fill it up. You're going to set it at your table and continue to enjoy your day. The building is on fire. Do you, like, what? The, why are you worried about the coffee cup? The building is burning around you. And yet you're concerned about this cup of coffee that you have in your hand. So this dog is like us, right? He is evaluating urgency based on his personal experience. I have everything I need in the cup of coffee. So this is what we've been doing. We have been going through this series on the spiritual war. And we're going to leave this up here. Um, We've been going through this series on the spiritual war. And part of what the Holy Spirit has been accomplishing me in me and kind of leading me to do as we walk through this series together is really like helping us as a congregation to see the urgency that exists. Like to see the reality of things, to not be blinded to the very real spiritual things that are happening. There is like an urgency to the spiritual reality and we cannot see this urgency 
right? Like if we're evaluating based on our personal experience, especially in the part of the world that we live in, like, gosh, we have everything we need. We have, we have all of our uh, details put together and, uh, and we don't see the craziness that, that actually, like we're in the middle of this place and the building is burning, right? Not, not the church, not this church necessarily, not, but the world that we live in has been given over to spiritual realities and those spiritual realities are having their way in this world, right? So, so if we evaluate urgency based on our personal experience, then here's what we'll do will become satisfied with a comfortable personal experience, right? If our personal experience can be very comfortable, and this is kind of the first thing that we'll do, we'll become very satisfied. So if I have a house, right, if I have a job, if I have little conflict in my work and my home life, if I'm kind of maybe even building towards retirement or have a promising retirement future, maybe I'm healthy physically and emotionally, like, right, if those things are true, we have a comfortable existence, then our tendency will be to believe that there is no urgency, Right, so that's the first thing that we'll do if we evaluate urgency based on our experience. But then the second thing that we'll do is that we'll, when we experience challenges, it's the challenges that we experience that will lead us to pray more. Like we're reliant on challenges to come into our life to force us to pray more, right? So this is what health problems, like family problems, work problems, like these are the things that we ask, uh, we bring up prayer requests for, that we ask other people to pray for us. And, and some of those things may actually lead us, like if we're uncomfortable enough, they may lead us to pray desperate prayers. And those are good times to pray, like those are good times to go deeper with the Lord. But if our personal experience is our only filter for urgency, then we'll miss like an entire category of urgency that the New Testament spends a lot of energy focusing on. Like the New Testament puts a lot of words toward this. In fact, the New Testament writers would say this kind of urgent thing that we're not paying attention to because we're comfortable, uh, they would say that this is maybe even primary, this thing that we're missing. Right, so, so the dog in the picture is maybe the extreme example of us, right? But it exists, like we are satisfied with our cup of coffee while, while the, burning, the building around us is, is burning. So, um, so what is the urgency? What is the urgency? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We looked at this last week. This is the urgency. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, right? Like that is the urgency. That is the burning building. Like there are dark forces, dark forces that run nations, dark forces that cause awful things to happen in the world with God's permission, dark forces that exist and they are arrayed against the existence of the church, against the existence of Christians. We, no matter how comfortable we are, the building is burning around us. Right? There are spiritual forces of darkness against what we're doing. So here's our main point this morning. Here's where we're going to focus our energy on. Darkness reigns. Pray desperately for light. Darkness reigns. Pray desperately for light. 
So it, it's interesting. If you look back through the, um, the passage prior to this, we walked through the armor of God last week. And the command as you go through the armor of God again and again and again is to stand. You need to stand and withstand and then stand again and keep standing, right? Like that is what you're reminded of again and again and again. So it's interesting. In that like passage, you see stand so many times. And then in like two sentences, he says, pray with all prayer and supplication, which is another word for prayer. And then pray. And then pray for me, right? He says, so you stand, 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 stand. And then you're going to pray, 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 pray. Like, that is the idea that's presented. So, Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18, this is what he says. At the end of all of this armor that he's talking about, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, great. How do I do that? Well, luckily, he tells you. Praying at all times in the Spirit. So how do you take up the sword of the Spirit? Well, you pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Again, three times in the span of what, like uh, 10 words. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Right? And for what it's worth, the picture that is given here is not individual prayer. Right, when he gives the command in the Greek language, it's very easy to tell who he's talking to. So when I say you, you can't tell the difference between if I'm talking to you as an individual or if I'm talking to the whole lot of you and telling you to do something. Greek has this amazing advantage where you can actually see if a person is saying you or y'all. And he just happens to be saying right here, y'all. Y'all need to pray, right? With all prayer and supplication. Right, so, so uh, when we encounter this concept of prayer, when we encounter like prayer ourselves, what we typically say is like, oh, like, yeah, I'll keep that in prayer. I'll, I'll be praying for that. I'll take care of that. I'll, uh, I'm praying for you. And what we do when we do this is that we tend to, especially because the reality of the culture that we live in, we tend to make prayer a very individualized thing that we do by ourselves. And the, the kind of, there is a reality of this individual existence of prayer, like we have an individual prayer life, but then at the very same time in the New Testament, there is a lot of energy given to show that prayer is actually like a significant ministry of the church like a significant thing that the church does together. So, uh, so he says this, and then, uh, and then it, it's coming after the armor of God. Now, last week we talked about the armor of God being significant because it, it helps us to focus on our mission, keep our mission in sight. If we keep what God is calling us to in front of us, then we'll understand what it is that he is equipping us for when he gives us armor. So what is that mission? This is the mission that we looked at last week. This is our mission. This is the thing that dark forces are arrayed against. Our mission is to integrate our lives into Christ's life and extend Christ's life towards others. Integrate and extend and integrate and extend and dark forces hate it when that kind of stuff happens. Right, so, so he's saying, okay, you all are going to pray because you have this mission that you are called to, this thing that uh, we all are called to that we're trying to accomplish. So y'all need to put your armor to work. 
right? So it's interesting, the things that he said last week, like take up uh, the breastplate of righteousness and, uh, you know, take up uh, kind of the, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, right? The, uh, to put on the helmet of salvation, right? He says he gives all of these various commands and then when he gives these commands, what, like, like how? How? Well, then at the end of all of it, he leads with this, he gives us this section on prayer and says, this is how you're going to employ that armor that you've been given. So for what it's worth, like as we go through, we talk about the reality of spiritual war. We're trying to figure out what it is that God is calling us to do. We're trying to figure out how do we engage our community well. There are very important things for us to do. Things that we will accomplish. Things that we have to work together with God in. And for what it's worth, because of who we are, because of the, the country that we grew up in, because of how we have observed kind of American industry and accomplishment, the natural first question that we ask when we encounter issues or we hope to see something more is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right? And so we come up with a plan. And we put together a strategy, and those things are incredibly important, and they make a big difference. Paul's primary question is, how are you going to pray? How are you going to pray? How are you going to pray? That is what he is concerned with. When he talks about the reality of dark spiritual forces being arrayed against what the church is trying to accomplish, he says, this is the way that we do battle. How are you going to pray? So he relates the idea of the sword of the spirit to prayer. You're going to pray in the spirit by taking up the sword, which is the word of God. So I, I don't do this often. I hesitate to do it. I get the feeling that sometimes it can be a little gimmicky, but we are going to do something a little gimmicky this morning if you will kind of entertain me in this. Uh, the word sword, we are going to make an acrostic this morning, I want to give you a tool that will help you as we pray in spiritual battle. Because the question can be, okay, so you're calling me, you're telling me that the way that we engage the spiritual war is that we pray. What does that even look like? Like, how do I pray along these lines? So I'm going to give us some guiding tools. And my goal this morning, like my entire goal, and this is what I want you to be oriented towards as well, our goal is to cultivate rhythms of personal and corporate prayer. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray desperately. We're going to do spiritual battle. And as we do this, the goal is to simply cultivate rhythms. So I'm going to give you a lot of things that could be tools. We're going to have this acrostic. Uh, if you got the notes, the sermon notes this morning, along with uh, the sermon notes, you got this uh, list of passages related to Jesus' teaching on prayer, uh, that is a tool for you to engage. I'm giving you tools. I don't, if you walk out of here going, okay, now I have to do everything that he just said, you will get overwhelmed and probably end up doing nothing. The goal is to cultivate rhythms. Start cultivating rhythms. That's what you're aiming for, okay? So if you find one thing and you're like, okay, I'm going to take that one thing and use it as a, a guiding structure or a pattern to engage in spiritual battle, then that's really good. So the goal is to cultivate rhythms. This is the Christian life. 
we cultivate rhythms and then as we get used to those rhythms and those rhythms start to shape us and, and, and we start to employ those rhythms, we cultivate more rhythms. Or as seasons of life change, we realize that the rhythms need to change as well. These are tools meant to help us cultivate rhythms. So S, the S for our sword is this. Stand in your armor. Stand in your armor. That's what he spent all of his energy just talking about. Like if, and if you missed it, uh, go back on our website, abcbartlett.org. Listen to last week's sermon about the armor of God and how we employ it in the spiritual battle. There are kind of three guiding factors as we pray. Because with all of these things, we're not just kind of reading information. We're not just trying to take in information. We're not just trying to be aware of things. Each of these is an action of prayer. Each of these is a labor that we're working towards something that we're aiming for God to do inside of us and outside of us, extending beyond us, right? So the first one is to stand in your armor, and the way that you do this is like kind of three things that you repeat. You go through confession, you go through repentance, and you go through gratefulness, right? So as you uh, are called to put on the breastplate of righteousness, and you realize that many of your actions are deviating from what God has called righteous and just, then he is calling you to confess that. Then he's calling you to repent of that, to make a decision to turn. And then he gives you the shoes of the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace that says your identity is not in the thing that you did. Your identity is in the peace that has been purchased for you through the cross of Jesus. Right, So you, you stand and you're like grateful. Lord, thank you for the thing that you have accomplished for me and in me. Thank you that this thing does not have to define me. So stand in your armor. Confess, repent, be grateful, and keep doing that and doing that and doing that, right? So stand in your armor. Number two, W, you're going to welcome Jesus' instruction. So, so as we pray... Like, it's a really good thing for us to pray with our Bibles open, right? To allow Scripture to inform our prayer. And it just so happens that Jesus has so many things to say about prayer, right? He changed, like, kind of blew up people's concepts of how prayer was supposed to work and how it was supposed to function. And and, uh, so when he says things, like in his uh, Sermon on the Mount, when he gives the Lord's Prayer, he says... uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come on earth.